Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dinner time is here. That's right, we're talking Hannibal, episode one, season one, aperitif on Dish by Dish. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from Quantico FBI headquarters or the Museum of Evil. I haven't decided which. I think the Museum of Evil sounds terrible. And I am with the characters in this movie who believe it is a bad idea. Uh, my name is Patrick Hamilton, and uh, we're going to rewatch Hannibal with you guys. And there's only one person that I trust to do that with me if i wake up in the middle of the night in a dead sweat she will find a towel for me to sleep on the one the only gina radcliffe how are you doing today gina i'm good and i'm glad that you are the one uh introducing each episode because i'm gonna mangle these episode titles like hannibal lecter mangles his victims <laughs> well we've just started i promise that i will fuck up probably a good three-fourths of them but i've actually had aperitifs before so uh that at least i'm familiar with uh so last time that we joined everyone for dish by dish we kind of set the table for what we're going to do now we're going to get right into it one episode at a time so here we go with episode one, where we start with our lead uh, or co-lead, Will Graham, played by the very attractive Will Dancy, the, the who I will probably refer to as Will Darcy many times because I can't see the difference between N's and R's. Also, it's Hugh Dancy. Oh, God damn it. It's Hugh Dancy. <laughs> Fuck. He looks like a Will. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's Will Graham, Hugh Daines. Oh, you know, he 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 auditioned. They were like, we don't know, but he just looks like a Will. Cast him. <laughs> I can't stop calling him Will. He seems perfect. Um, yes, I can a, only imagine the reviews we're going to get. Like they said, they like the show, but they don't know the difference between the actors and the characters. I don't think these people really watch this show. <laughs> Did we, did, we oh. do that, did we do that Jim Gapkin voice? I don't think they even watched it. <laughs> They're just something that doesn't seem right. Um, I, I will say that he is um, certainly the most like delicate and 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 fragile of the of the Will's Grams. Oh yeah, that, that have been portrayed because like you've got Manhunter, who was which was William S. Peterson, who. Yeah, it was probably the opposite of fragile. Yeah, um, no, he, particularly he, he's, in that he's movie. like a George Washington statue, right? He's, he's yeah. like he's like just just you know carved out of the side of beef. Just you know, very <laughs> very very tough guy. Then you've got Edward Norton. I'm gonna be. I'm just gonna say right now, I do not like anything of the Hannibal movies, the Hannibal Lecter movies beyond after everything that came after Silence of the Lambs, except the TV show. I yeah. think they're all hot garbage. Um, <laughs> the only thing I like about Red Dragon is is I like Philip Seymour Hoffman as Freddie mm -hmm. Lowndes. Sure. And, and I think that Ray Fiennes was fine, but... I, I, I put him above fine. I think he's one of the better things in that movie. But he's, he's still, definitely but, committed. But, but he still is no Tom Noonan. And, and, and then you've got... <laughs> and each of them have... 
different. I mean, it's also the thing that bothers me is that it's very clear that Francis Dollarhide, and oh, again, it's a problem in TV series, but we won't get to it to like two other two more scenes from now. Right. Francis Dollarhide is supposed to be ugly. <laughs> He's supposed to like if you read the book of Red Dragon. Yeah. Um. He's he so has, he's so afraid of people seeing his face. Like yeah, he, he has a he has a cleft palate. He he's he just he's he's kind of fucked up looking. And mm-hmm. and here like like uh, um, Ray finds he just has a little scar on his lip. <laughs> and then Richard Armitage is just like he's just an entire other cosmic dimension of handsome altogether. <laughs> so, but you know, but but yeah, going back to uh, um. You know, you know, Hugh Dancy playing, you know, this very, almost, you know, like I said, very delicate version of Will He's Graham. damaged. He is the, the yeah, most visibly it, damaged of, of any of the if, people if you to were to tell me, If you were to tell me, this guy's a cop, I'd be like, mm, I don't <laughs> yeah. know that I buy that. Yeah, it's a, well, he's a former cop. Um, and we'll learn why he's a former cop in episode two. So we won't discuss it here. But we're introduced to him and what I think is the the everyone involved trying to zag on him. Because if you came into the show with a wealth of, you know, uh, Red Dragon knowledge, you're assuming that the investigation he, uh, he's performing of this married couple who were killed inside their home, it feels a little Red Dragon-like. It does, because- yeah. And then when you, and then if you... You know, again, if you've read the book, when they, as soon as they mentioned the Minnesota Shrike, you're like, oh, this is how, this is be- before that. Yes. Because that is, that is mentioned in the book. And, you know, I wonder, do you remember when they announced that they were going to be making the show and the, and, and the general reaction was, oh boy. Uh, yeah, because, <laughs> because everyone is suffering, everyone had that Terminator feeling right right when you're like you're gearing up or like i like terminator i like terminator too why wouldn't i want to like another terminator and then you see one after the other after the other after the other fail so miserably right and 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 everybody assumed that it was going to be you know the hannibal lecter origin story and and they already did that which was hannibal rising which was terrible I've and never and watched it. and nobody needs to to ever you know redo that or or go back that far in Hannibal Lecter's life again, but no, everybody it, assumed that that's what this was going to be like how yes. Hannibal Lecter became Hannibal Lecter. Where whereas it's not really interested in that. It's more interested in seeing these characters as they exist and allowing those other story beats to 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 come into play eventually but it's much more interested in genuine character so what this sequence sets up right up at the front is that you know that will graham has a a sort of of empathy that allows him to get in the mindset of a killer that he's disturbed by it after it happens that he feels he can't be an actual FBI agent out in the field necessarily or a cop again because he just feels like he'll be pushed too far. He'll get too far into it because once the feeling takes him over and that feeling is represented by a uh, a swinging uh, light lamp bulb. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I, I don't know that they ever 
really reveal exactly what it is, but it's sort of wiping away the current reality and replacing it with his active imagination. Right, which was something they kind of they kind of did a little bit in Manhunter. It, it wasn't as like dreamlike. He just sort of like imagining you know, from the perspective of the killer. What, yes, you know, how how he and I think that sometimes with Will's a little bit too like on the nose. And I just think it's funny how he's like he has a daughter. He does he does this for a living. Last Thursday he had a ham and cheese sandwich for lunch, and everybody's just like <laughs> looking at him like, "Wow, how do you know all this? This is really fucking weird." Yeah. Yes. I think, you know, it's one of the things you have to sort of accept with the show. You either buy into his sort of empathetic ability and his explanation of how he's able to get there or you don't. It's, yeah, it's just... a little it's a little psychic, uh, which is, you know, I, I don't think this, this TV show is necessarily trying to be realistic. No, um, no. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that if you are it's, going in expecting an actual, you know, real life gritty, you know, prestige role, you're not going to get that. It's a little supernatural. It's, it's, you know, he, he, he couldn't possibly know these things that he knows. Yeah, everything is heightened. Everything is just a little extra. And so, you know, this sort of sequence of him discovering that the killer came in through the front door and he was able, even though the alarm went off, he was able to tell the alarm company that it was a false alarm because he had recorded the the wife's conversation with a false alarm the previous week. You know, it's kind of like, uh, okay, sure. <laughs> sure, whatever you say. <laughs> case closed. Yeah, well, we don't even know if the case is closed. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's completely just, unrelated to, to the rest of the plot. He just It's a non sequitur. Yeah. It's literally just a, this is how Will Graham operates, and he's obviously not the person that you would want to put out into the field because he's too weird and he's too goofy and there's no way you would want to be in a bad situation from him. He just seems remarkably unsteady, which I think is an interesting way to begin a, a show because most shows start with the core competencies of your main cast and everyone else in the, in the show has that set of core competencies and Will Graham's like, He's this fragile little doll that if we even push a little too much, he will break. Well, one thing I like about it, and I would compare it to the TV show Mindhunter on Netflix, um, okay. is this kind of work really wears you down. Yes. And, and, and I think that um, you know, a lot of procedurals don't really get into how you spend you know, eight to 12 hours a day just going through files and investigating the very worst possible things that the very worst people do to other people that yeah. you, most people are not cut out to do that. No. And it, it takes a toll on your psyche. Right. You're just, and this is the genuine result of it where everyone understands he has this, this ability and a lot of them would like to use it for their own devices. It's like, so it's like he's a special thing that everyone wants to put on their mantle. Yeah. Not he, to he, not to just look at, but to possess. Well, he's like a human, you know, divining rod where where you just kind of like hold him out and he like points to the person who did it. Yes. <laughs> uh and that includes special agent Jack Crawford uh played uh with his head stuffed into a suit, a purple suit. 
uh, by Lawrence Fishburne. Um, well, here's, here's, just... here's the moment. Here's the moment where we play our favorite game. Let's rate the Crawfords. <laughs> which 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 Jack Crawford do you prefer? Do you prefer Farina from Manhunter? Oh. S- Scott Glenn from Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, Harvey Keitel, which I completely forgot. No, to play him fuck, I mean, I love Harvey Keitel, but he, he's just yeah, everyone in that movie is given an impossible position, and no one overcomes it. Yeah, even I, even 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 like Anthony Hopkins just wasn't good at playing himself. No, I, at that point, it's like this. It, it's like someone going up to bat for their three hundredth time. You know, yeah. There's no way, even though he's making all those decisions in the moment. His muscle memory simply takes over, uh, and he's the only one who's bearing the brunt of that, as opposed to you know anyone else in the movie who at least is attempting to have a fresh take. Even though the director is aping the living fuck out of both Manhunter and Silence of the Lambs, or we also have Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Um. If now listen, you're no. I love Dennis Farina. I love Dennis Frey. I especially, he's about the most lovable cop in the entire world. He's the only one I, I still respect uh, portraying that role. Um, I don't think Lawrence Fishburne is doing a bad job here at all. And in fact, as the series will go, I think they will find what his thing is within this. In, in this opening episode, he's a bit of a, I'm just pushing the plot along. You know, you have to go here. You have to see this person. I also know this person. I'm going to consult with this other person. But he, we don't know Jack, other than the fact that, that uh, you know, Will Graham does not consider the Museum of Evil worthy of his time. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. And also, I think they drop the Museum of Evil. It, it doesn't really come to bear in any way, shape, or form. It's just this personal thing that will graham doesn't like whereas no one else comes up to him go well listen i'd work for you but the museum of evil that's that's not gonna that's not gonna fly it's not gonna fly (laughs) um so crawford's like hey listen i've got an active serial killer who's operating uh in the midwest uh girls are disappearing we're not finding the bodies and he's just taken another one and i need you to look at it and he's like, uh, no can do. Uh, <laughs> but somehow, some way, they just get him to do it. Just get on a plane, get to Minnesota, interview the parents of Elise Nichols. And the two people playing the parents are, they're, it's like they're being visited by aliens. They're, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to be. I don't know how to be in that situation. I also don't know how to play it because you're a parent, your child's missing, girls have gone missing and never shown up again. Like it's a nightmare scenario. But also, when the cops are talking to you, you know, try try to help. Try try to help a little. Yeah. <laughs> but they're, they're just in woo woo land. Yeah, Jack Jack's bedside manner isn't really a whole lot better than Will's. No, they basically like, well, this girl's dead. I don't even know why we're here. <laughs> sort of attitude, <laughs> which is like their bedside manner leaves us little to be desired. Uh, turns out they didn't have to look far because Will Graham uh, 
smell something just <laughs> you know his brains hit the wavelength or something and he's like i need to see this girl's bedroom and they go up there and lo and behold the body's right in the bed so i don't i don't know how that happened i don't i don't the the show doesn't tell you how that happened where the parents have been interviewed by multiple police officers and no one's no one's taped this fucking thing off. And the parents said they'd been in her room like several times that day. I'm just yes. like I'm just I'm just like picturing uh Garrett Jacob Hobson just kind of perched in a tree outside the window, like <laughs> with like this like burlap sack over his shoulder. It's like, okay, now, 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 now. <laughs> like he's Batman and he just zip <laughs> zop zoops over uh, you know, onto the second story. To put this girl back in bed with no one noticing. But, uh, okay, listen, the show is not about realism. We just got to let that stuff go. No, it's a, it's like a very, very long, effective nightmare. Yes. I, yeah. Um, so. With some uh, delicious looking food that <laughs> might be human flesh. Yeah, yeah, um, just might be. Um, but before we get there, we learned that uh, when... The, this is when we're introduced to Special Agent Beverly Katz, who is the one of the premier ball breakers in primetime television. I mean, she gives zero fucks. It's a really interesting character choice. Yeah, she, the actress, uh, was also in um, in The Outsider, also playing a cop. No. <laughs> I guess it's I guess it's good to be stereotyped sometimes. <laughs> I, I I regrettably she was her character was not really given a lot to do. Oh, that's unfortunate. But it's just it's just interesting that that she has twice played uh played police officers in, in spooky crime procedurals. Yeah, and here she's uh, she has no filter. Uh, I think is the sort of vibe we're supposed to get off of her, at least uh, at the beginning, because she immediately blurts out, oh, yeah, we're uh, we're finding uh, antler velvet and wounds. <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie. I, would you recognize antler velvet? No. <laughs> no. I, I would be a terrible police detective because I would be like, well, clearly she was wearing some sort of velvet shirt. But yeah. she was stabbed. Um, it sort of hard cuts to them back at the FBI lab um, where they they confirm the existence of the uh, the antler uh, velvet. And this is when Will makes the leap that somehow our killer is uh, is killing them by mounting them on antlers. Which is kind of cool, I gotta say. If you if you have to kill people, you're kind of <laughs> hanging them up on antlers. Very Silent Night, Deadly Night. It takes you know when we talked about Jason Voorhees, we always talked about his you know forearm strength, and this would be another sort of Voorhees forearm strength maneuver to be able to take a person who's, for all we know, still alive and kicking, and yam them up against. Uh, antlers on a wall like that 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 takes some doing yeah well i mean we do establish that he is a uh, a blue collar man yeah so so you know he probably has some some little upper body strength <laughs> he's also uh they find uh small bits of pipe fitting in the wound and so that sets them on a course to try to find someone who may work 
in metalworks on construction sites because that would give him mobility uh, and he would have more freedom. And so they're like, all right, we gotta, we got to find all these people who do this stuff. But they also discover that the victim was returned to the bed because it ends up that uh, Elise did not fit the, the design of our killer. Uh, she had uh, liver cancer. Yes, he, he thoughtfully put her liver back where he found it. <laughs> I was going to eat that, but no thanks. Yuck. <laughs> so we are immediately told in a show called Hannibal that we are after a cannibal. So... <laughs> Well, one thing that you have to accept with with, uh, with 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 Hannibal is that there are dozens of serial killers running around at any any given time. Yeah, and they're all very creative, <laughs> very into artistic tableau. Yes, and they probably are going to eat you if they get the chance. Yeah, well, you know, they, we all live in a world. There's no ethical consumption of human beings under capitalism. I mean, Gina. it's really, it's really just, you know, it, it's upcycling when you think about it. I mean, <laughs> what are you gonna do? You're gonna, you're gonna leave a body just yeah, for somebody else to, to clean up? I mean, come on. Uh, later, this is the sort of section in the episode where uh, Will is driving home and he sees a lost dog. He manages to coax the dog into his car and introduce it. To the six or seven other dogs he happens to have in his life. I just He's love, like I a love, cat I love, lady, but with dogs. I love the, like, the pile of dogs sleeping together in front of the space heater. That's such, a, <laughs> that, that's such an adorable touch. Yes. And, and so we know that he is trying to connect with living creatures to remind himself that he is a human being with emotions. Because he feels emotions, but generally they come from other people. He just might not have any himself. You know, I'm sort of rediscovering how they're presenting Will in this thing by just watching them one at a time. You're kind of having to make the same leaps. Even though I I remember kind of how it goes, the the character beats I'm somewhat surprised by occasionally. Like, I didn't remember the dog thing. Or that he, even in the first episode, wakes up in a complete sweat. And has to sleep on top of towels. <laughs> well, you you get the uh, the gist that he finds this case particularly haunting. Yes, the, the antler theme seems to carry over through much of the series, and it's, which yeah, is good, which is good yeah. because it's 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 a spook it's spooky imagery. It is, and it's uh, we'll start to see it pop up more and more. Here, it's kind of like a. It's like a oh, is that is that a real deer? Is that not a real deer? And the farther we go, the less real it becomes. Um, but remember the wet dreams because <laughs> they will actually come into play. I won't tell you how. Those who have seen it before will know. Those who haven't, I promise you, there's an actual point to it beyond you know wanting to see Hugh Dancy with the shirt off, which I'm not going to complain about. He's a little moist, but. <laughs> He's slippery when wet, Gina. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Graham senses that uh, that Will is uh, a little, um, maybe not ready for prime time. So, he decides to consult with another uh, psychologist who also works at Quantigo, uh, Alana Bloom, 
played by uh, Caroline Devarnis. I, I don't. I've never known how to pronounce her last name. That sounds good to me. Uh, but she was on Wonderfalls, uh, one of his previous shows, and uh, and we will learn throughout the course of this, and it's presented right away in in episode one, that Caroline looks awesome in a wrap dress. Yeah, that's a good look. It's a good look. It is, honestly, it's pretty fantastic, and she wears it well. Uh, but she suggests that uh, if Will is kind of on edge, that perhaps uh, he should be sent to a, f- a friend of hers, a, f- a colleague who she mentored underneath uh, by the name of a Dr. Hannibal Lector. So really, this is all her fault. Yeah. E- everything, that, everything that happens in... in- in Hannibal, in Red Dragon, in Sounds of the Lambs, <laughs> in, in, you know, Hannibal 2, you know, Hannibal <laughs> Harder. Uh, okay, yeah. fine. No, Hannibal Rising wasn't her fault. It happened before everything else. But <laughs> everything up to that point, was it's all her fault. Kind of. Kind of. But it, the other thing is that Hannibal Lecter was eating people before this. It, he was an active people yeah, but we didn't need we 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 were we were blissfully unaware of that <laughs> so you think a cannibal you don't know about is better than the cannibal you do absolutely okay good to know um i mean the world so, the world is too crowded as it is patrick if a couple, <laughs> if a couple of people get eaten every now and then uh so they have a, a first meeting and it doesn't particularly go well uh, and in the middle of this, Will uh, goes back up to Minnesota because they found a body in the middle of the field that's, lo and behold, exactly what he said was what the Minnesota strike was doing, which is spearing these girls on top of these antlers. But of course, this is a much grander display. It seems out of step with the person they're chasing. Maybe there is a Second cannibal on the loose? Dun, dun, dun! Spoiler, there is. <laughs> <laughs> there's a cannibal the whole time. Everything yeah. that happens, there's a cannibal the whole time. Can we talk about the, <laughs> uh, the scene where um, where Graham goes to meet Hannibal Lecter, and he's just kind of wandering around touching his things? Yeah. And, and Lecter is just, he's simmering. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> And, and, and like you could, it's really subtle, but like he'll just go like kind of move everything back where it was. Yeah. And like Graham's like a four year old, just like, oh, what's this? Can I look at that? What's this? You know, he's just like <laughs> touching everything, moving everything out of the way. Yeah. Um, it, it's as almost as great a scene as uh um oh god the actor's name um Dan Fogler playing yeah. one of his patients who is crying and puts the besnotted tissue on that table. And, and, and like that Lecter, one shot Lecter's eye is like, burning into oh, it. Like, like, like he uh, could, if he could set them on fire with his mind, he would. Just sizing them up for steaks right there. <laughs> like, oh, you're getting eight. You're getting eight real quick. Um, speaking of which, um, this whole Minnesota strike thing is sort of cut back and forth with Hannibal uh, preparing lungs for a meal. And we hear that the lungs were taken out of this lady. So uh, when he decides to feed our FBI uh, special director uh, lunch, 
Um, he's probably feeding him human beings. Oh, wait, are we talking when he when he has dinner with Graham or what he brings or food to with Jack Crawford? Oh, Crawford, what am I saying, Graham? Um, uh, Does uh, it, that happens in this episode, right? I'm not. Gonna... Yeah, but they both have they both have a meal with him. He brings uh he he brings um Graham oh, yeah. sausage eggs and quote unquote sausage sausage yeah I think yeah. he I because he was eating the lungs by himself. So I think he, he, he I mean, he, he claimed to, to Crawford that he was serving him pork, which ha, 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 oh, we yeah. know what that means. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it could be leftovers. You know, he's probably, he's probably a, a, a price conscious kind of guy. You, yeah. You, you don't get that, you don't get that kind of officer house, with, you know, by, by spending your money foolishly. <laughs> no, he's, he's frugal with a dollar, that one. He, he knows what he likes and he knows what he wants to spend it on. Uh, purple suits. Uh, clothes that have a herringbone sort of he thing going on great. in them. He just looks so great. Oh my god! Everyone in this show looks great. They're just not. It's so over the top presented. No one just shows up in like the clothes they'd wear to the supermarket. And even <laughs> if they were going to the supermarket, it would look be one swanky ass supermarket. Right, like like the scene where where uh. Lecter prepares the lungs. He just, he's sitting out. He's by himself, but has like the jacket and tie on while he's yeah. while he's dining. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's fucking, I don't that's think we see him class, without man. a suit and tie for quite some time. Yeah, no, no, we don't. Um, so uh, they Graham is going to go back up to Minnesota. And he's going to look for this pipe fitter somewhere. And everyone else is busy with various things, so they send Hannibal Lecter up there with him. That's where he's fed, quote-unquote, sausage, dick fingers implied. (laughs) And they go to a union shop, and they're looking for, you know, who are your pipe fitters, where are the files? They start going through. And Will sort of gloms onto this one thing where the person doesn't give their home address. So, like, if he would ever get a paycheck or they wanted him for another job, like, you would want to have the union have your home address and he doesn't. So there might be a nefarious reason for that. Um, So when they're pulling out the files to put in the back of the car, uh, Hannibal drops one on the ground. And while everyone else is occupied, he goes to the phone and decides to call suspect number one and say... Just so you know, the FBI know who you are. <laughs> They're probably coming right now. So just heads up. And the next thing you know, both Will and Lecter show up there. And as soon as they pull into the parking lot, uh, this this great Garrett Jacob Hobbs manages to uh, slit his wife's throat right out the front door. And... Once Will is in there and he basically has his own daughter, the one that uh, Will had earlier in the episode said his daughter is leaving. So that's why he's doing this to somehow possess his daughter. She's his golden ticket. Uh, Um. It's 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 like next level gross. Yeah. Oh, and it, it only gets worse from from from. I mean, yeah. I mean, when I say it gets worse, I mean it gets great. 
but it gets great in a, in a very horrifying way. Yeah. It doesn't get great when like, oh no, he was he he gave a lot to the boys and girls club. No. That's this is not that kind of show. No. Um so uh Will is is at a crossroads here because someone will die unless he acts. So he pulls out his gun and he manages to shoot uh Garrett Jacob Hobbs dead. Uh, right then and there, but uh, Garrett gets one final slice on his daughter, and as his, as they are both in the throes of possibly dying, uh, Garrett uh, points to Will and says, See? See? Remember that, because that will come into play later on. And, and uh, you know, again, from watching a lot of cop shows, you would get the impression that killing someone... It's just another day in the job for a cop, and Will's genuinely traumatized by this. Yeah, and and I think that that's probably more true to life. Now, again, I'm not trying to say anything in favor of cops or whatever. No, but but I would say that it is not as easy to shoot someone dead, you know, and then just walk away unscathed as as it would appear to be in in a lot of cop shows. I think this is probably a, a you know about as realistic a depiction of what kind of trauma that can cause as I've, as I've ever seen. And um, it is yet to be determined what the exact motivation is for Hannibal to give someone the heads up serial killer. Well, I, you know, I, when I, I remember when I first saw it, I was a little, well, that's weird. Why would he do that? And then I just feel like, well, I, that, you know, he, that, 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 Will's going to feel like some sort of bond with him because they the, together they saved this girl's life. Yes. Which is is sort of cemented when when Will goes to the hospital uh to to check on Abigail Hobbs and lo and behold Hannibal Lecter is in the chair next to her sleeping because he just won't leave her side. You know, and and, and literally so- and literally as as uh you know as 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 Crawford points out later He's the only one that knows what he went through because yeah. he was literally standing right there. Right. And and, and, so, and then so he doesn't have to explain it to him. He doesn't yeah. have to go over the, you know, the, the gruesome details. He was there. He saw it. And, and you know, without getting too many personal details, if you've ever been in therapy, when you, you sometimes you think to yourself, wouldn't it have been easier if they were just there to see all this happen? So I don't, yeah. so I don't have to keep talking about it, explaining it, and making sure that that I am, you know, explaining it in a way that they understand. And you know, if I'm remembering correctly, think of how easier it would be to talk about something that happened to some with someone who was there when it happened. Yeah. Uh, so that just about does it. But before we go, um, let's play a little choose your own death venture because we have multiple deaths here. So why not? Uh, up for bid this time. We have. Um, shot in your own home. Uh, we have have be uh, found in a field, uh, stuck on uh, deer antlers. Uh, found in your own bed under the suspicion that you were speared on deer antlers, uh, and you had your liver removed and then put back. Because <laughs> you know, who wants to eat that? <laughs> um, or you could have your throat slashed, or you could be shot. So, Gina, what say you? I mean, you know, I usually tend to take the quick way out, but mounted on deer antlers, that's pretty fucking cool. No, yeah. No one's going to forget that. No. 
And, and if no, I'm, and, that's going to end up in all the papers. Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to die horrible, I mean, yeah, okay, fine, I'll be naked. But you know what? Whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, but, but you know, no one's ever going to forget that. And and you know, right. the least you can do, you know, the, le- the, the, the least it can happen if you have to die horribly is is that you, 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 you leave an unforgettable scene behind. Yeah, well, like I'd rather just die in my house. How boring. Like, you know, be seen. Go out with a bang, I say. I'm, I'm right there with you. I think it's the only answer. So that just about does it. Um, hey, uh, dish by dish, it's a new thing. So we're going to be doing this every other week um, in the off weeks of Kill by Kill. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, watch along with us. Uh, come on over to, um, you know, we, you can respond on, on, on you know, Instagram and, and Twitter and everything. But I think we're going to try to start a discussion in our Facebook group about it. So if you're a Facebook person, uh, come on, uh, be a part of the gang and, and let's get this going because I think that's the spot that will isolate. We'll have like a spoiler discussion and maybe one that isn't a spoiler discussion. We'll see how it goes, uh, see what people want to do. But that way, people who are watching along with us won't get spoiled. And, and I don't want that to happen. And people who have seen everything, they can feel free to talk as much as they wish. Um, so why don't you come do that? It's a private group, so you have to request us. But uh, listen, we've had a, a flood of people c- wanting to join the group lately, uh, most from foreign nations who have <laughs> just joined Facebook in June. We expect those uh, hello, beautiful messages to come in any day now. Oh, any day now. I hope someone tries to sell sunglasses in the Facebook group. <laughs> uh, we said no to them uh, because... If you've just joined Facebook, that's already like, mm, I don't know. Um, if, if you have just joined Facebook and like you have a job, that's, an, that's one that will lead me into this. Or, you know, these days it's, it's hard to have a job, so I can't really say that either. But anyways, I think that's where we're, we're going to do our spoiler uh, free full discussions. Anyways, rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, see us here again next week for a full kill by kill episode and the week after episode two of dish by dish so for myself for gina bon appetit everybody 